Pod Boys Productions. I still dream of Organon. I wake up crying. You'll make it rain, and you're just in reach. When you sleep, escape me. Alright, welcome back to Movies Are Relevant on Brooklyn Rebound Network. Uh, today I am back in the pod studio, something I've never said before to intro the show. But that's just where I'm at, chilling. It's a fine 2020 day. We're still pushing through the best year ever. Every day different than the one before completely. And uh, we're just going to stop down right now, take a moment to appreciate all that, and talk some 2020 movies this year. Uh, Like I said, normal year for films. You know, we're all going to the theater every weekend. Plenty of movies coming out. Hollywood is thriving. Uh, And to join me in talking about all this, of course, it's my boy, E-Nam over here. What's going on? Hey, what's up, man? It's your boy, Young True Defective. Time is a flat circle if your brain is broken like mine is. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so are you implying that, because I was being a little facetious about the the old 2020, as everyone can probably tell, uh, we're all going through it, but are you saying that with your broken brain theory or whatnot, all these years are like that for you or it's nothing different? As far as I know, I've always been in 2020 and I'll never leave 2020. I see, that's what you mean. Okay. Every day is the same and I enjoy nothing. <laughs> well, every day is about the same, but I still enjoy these films, you know, and so far throughout the whole quarantine, I've been watching a ton of movies as I talked about on some past episodes, but uh, I was really living in the 70s, in the 80s, a little bit into the 90s, a little bit back into the 60s, the 50s, as, as uh, I'm appreciating more you, you don't like as much, uh, even to the 40s, whatever. I've been mostly living in the past century with my film watching. However, as of late, you know, the past month or so, I have uh, picked up a few 2020 options. Everything's obviously VOD now and all that, or, you know, the only, no no big blockbusters are getting, or at least, sorry, Christopher Nolan, I don't think Tenet is ever getting, it's never coming out. It's just never coming out. I was watching uh, like a UFC fight, maybe about a month ago, because also at the time, you know, luckily some sports like ha- have come back now, but uh, it was very slim pickings for a while there. So I was trying to get into UC, uh, UFC a little bit, but they do like in that they're like advertising stuff between rounds or whatever, you know, or even like during the the rounds, kind of. I think they were cutting into like live live commercial reads, but at the one I was watching, they kept advertising Tenet, like in, coming to theaters like August it was probably like set for this week at the time which is like mm-hmm. the first week of August right now <laughs> like coming to theaters August 7th or whatever and I'm just sitting there like no it isn't there's no fucking way <laughs> like this was like four weeks ago this happened so. yeah absolutely not yeah so anyway we're not seeing that anytime soon I don't think apparently Mulan is finally gonna get uh, the live action version of that's finally gonna get released like you you have to pay $30 for it, I think, on VOD or something, but, uh... Oh, I've been waiting for a live-action Moulin Rouge. 
Well, uh, actually, if that's what you want, I think you'll find uh, you you are waiting around for nothing. It's it's been available for about almost twenty years now. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, no. Uh, live action Moulin Rouge, I believe, uh, has been around for for since just past uh, the start of the century. I would say. All right, all right. I can't keep up with you and your old movies. Like I mentioned a little bit, I uh, I do stay back in the past quite a bit. But we both saw two uh, recent films that both of them got a little, one of them definitely got, I would say, a good amount of buzz, you know, online and whatnot. And the other one got, got a fair amount. Of, more than I would expect for a movie of this type, but I think it is probably due to the fact of, of the situation right now where there's just not, a, not as much out there. Also, despite all this, by the way, I'm going to cut in with this real quick. So, like, everyone, even I hear people on podcasts and stuff talking, like, everything's shut down right now in Hollywood or no one's making anything right now and all that except uh the other week literally next door to my house in LA here they were filming a movie the house next door to me I guess like rented it out for for them to film a a real production oh Drew I'm sorry that's just porn there are very small crews on those films (laughs) yeah well, they're doing the out, some outside scenes and some night shoots. <laughs> I know that's not Grody. usually the type. No, but really, they'll listen to this. So apparently some some people are still shooting things somehow. And I looked up with this movie because they had, since it was like right next door, they had to like um, give us like some notice or whatever where I live. And, and so they had the, the name of the production on the notice. And I looked it up what it is. It has, like, Demi Moore, and I think, and, like, Bradley Woodford, I think I saw, and, like, you know, big-name actors. I don't know if they're all next door shooting this, whatever, the, it was just the one day, but I looked up what the movie is, and it's about a pandemic. Oh, Jesus so Christ. So Hollywood is still making stuff right now, somewhat. They're making a movie about a pandemic. Great. <laughs> next door to me during the pandemic. This is really happening. Great. So, Great. I mean, like we're saying, we live in a It's all coming full circle. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I'm thinking, like, do, are people going to, I mean, I, I would imagine this would be slated to come out in, like, a, probably a year at least, uh, if not longer. Are people really going to be in the mood to be watching pandemic films in 2021, 2022? Like, what? That's a really interesting gamble, because, buddy, I got to tell you, like, if this is ever all over, like, I'm really not interested in living, in, like, reliving this part of my life. No, I mean. I think it's gonna be. A th- it's obviously gonna be a thing where people are like talking about it for years to come. Like, remin- not maybe reminiscing has the connotation of like that it was a, a fun thing or like a good memory. But like they're gonna be, you know, it's gonna be all that type of thing. What's the term for reminiscing that would like be a more negative connotation? Commiserating, I guess, kind of. You know, it's gonna be like a group kind of. You know, a week. Um, but. But yeah, I don't think we're going to be all rushing. You know, I get, we're probably going to want to see the tenets or whatever. I don't even know what that's about, really. But see uh, movies that take us out of the world. But I mean, the one, the one film we're going to talk about today also is kind of relevant, I guess, to... I mean, it is like a, every day is the same type of thing, or, you know, <laughs> repeating mm-hmm. it. So it, it, that also is good for... The currents, I guess, of these times, which is Palm Springs. I don't want to be coy about it. We'll talk that. We're going to talk that. We're also going to talk First Cow, which you just watched uh, right before. Hot off the presses, yeah. And uh, are you in the mood for some oily cakes? I mean, granted, that's it's frontier life. Not, nothing 
looks the same as it does now. Not appetizing. No. I'd rather just have like a I'd rather just have like a scone. I think an oily cake is a little more akin to like a donut type of thing. It seems like than than uh, than a scone. It looked like donuts when they were making them. He mentioned scones, and I was like, "Sick! I'm gonna see some primordial scones." But no, <laughs> primordial. I mean, it's only the what the the early 1800s. It's not the Middle Ages or or you know the the dawn of time. I regret to inform <laughs> you that this year has actually lasted six thousand years. Primordial. That's funny, but uh, yeah. So I don't know where you want to head first. I mean, we might as well start there since you just you just watched it just now. So this was. Like I said, I did see some some buzz online about this one. It got buzz. It's directed by Kelly Reichardt. I don't know exactly how you say her last name. Reichardt, Reichardt, or pronounce it rather. Reichardt. But she's been around quite a while, I think. But kind of on the fringes of like indie films. She makes like films that have a, a lot of them have big name stars, but they're still like the indie level or whatever. I think she's done a couple western ad- or western adjacent ones before. Are they also mumblecore westerns like this one? I'm not sure. I think this might be a little bit different. I mean, they probably are to some degree, but this may have been... I, I saw a lot of people saying, or maybe just one person came up with this and then it was repeated, but I think it is salient of a description that it's kind of a a anti-western, or there was a better term. Now I'm trying to remember what it was. Anti-western is what I'm looking for, but I think there was a second component to the phrase that people are saying. That now I am blanking on, but... A postmodern Western. I regret doing that voice. Yeah, well, no, I mean, not postmodern, but, like, revisionist, I guess. I don't know if this actually is a revisionist, though, because the, people say revisionist Westerns for, like, you know, these spaghetti Westerns and, like, you know, a, a fistful of dollars and stuff like that. But, like, but this was actually probably more realistic to what things were like in some degrees because it's not all right people just shooting each other all the well time. and it's not doing the work of like the great man myth or the like the the myth of the frontier uh and, and how everything was easy and fun and like cops caught killers and everyone loved it we should say this movie like concerns the friendship between one man who is from america and one man who is from china um who find each other on the frontier and form an unlikely friendship and start stealing milk to make cakes. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the description of it. It is about, like, the fundamental, like, the core of American society, at least circa my whole life, which is the grift, the scam, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, they are grifting, but um, it is to, like, make something. Well, so the two characters, yeah, the one guy's the, the baker, right, the cook. Cookie, I think he tells people to call him. He is just really just cares about, yeah, baking, cooking, whatever. He's just in it for the love of the game sort of thing, really. And then the guy meets the Chinese guy. It, his whole thing is just trying to make it, kind of. Like, he doesn't really care. He doesn't have, like, a passion of how to... Like, his passion is making it. Yeah, his passion is, yeah, basically. And he even said, like, I've been to all these different places around the world, and now, but this is the most untapped potential. And they're in, like, Oregon, I believe, or somewhere out west. I think so. 1820s, 1830s, something around there. So, like, that is probably true at that time. I mean, the, just the American West in general is one of, was one of the last places to be really, you know, colonized or have a lot of people influx. I have an influx of a lot of people to it, modernized, whatever you want to call it. Um, and especially the case, you know, to 
almost 200 years ago now, more so. But uh, that's where the title of the film comes in, First Cow. It's the first cow in the territory. Brought in by the guy who, like, runs everything at the at the fort where everybody comes to trade. Yeah, he, he's the only one who has, like, a real house there yet. That actor is, like, very familiar. I, I've seen him in a ton of stuff. He plays a lot of stuff where he gets to be short and or menacing. A classic uh, British actor... I'll do respect to my boy. But yeah, but the two main characters getting back to them, they're, yeah, they're like kind of like beta type of guys, especially the cook. And yeah, that's unusual for the lead character in a Western. Yeah. But yeah, it is certainly a strange kind of, I don't know if it's strange, but it's definitely an idea I would never have thought of. Like, this is the plot of the film, like stealing milk from a cow to make, yeah, like you said, to make you know, baked goods. Um, yeah, so they're selling it to people, obviously, and it's, it's taking off, but they, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know how. I guess we'll go into spoilers somewhat uh, here now, because I want to talk about the end too and what exactly happened. But yeah, they they steal from the rich guy. They steal the cow's milk, and then eventually they go back to the well, the proverbial well. Uh, they they go back to the the otter one too many times. Yeah, and it goes downhill at that point. Um, like you always knew it would. When the rich guy finds out that what's finally happening. Of course. I mean, yeah, there's not too much to talk about with the plot, obviously. But but just to the end, I was a little bit, con- I don't know, confused, but I was a little unclear what they're trying to say because the, uh, of what happened to the, the two characters or what was um, symbolic or something because the film opens with Aaliyah Shawkat for some reason just <laughs> walking a dog. <laughs> yeah. Also, I found out something crazy about that, or I thought it was kind of crazy. I looked up, I was like, wait a minute, is that Aaliyah Shawkat, uh, you know, who's famously from, like, Arrested Development, and she's in the show Search Party, which... Yo, I love Search Party. There's a new season out of that, which I need to watch still, but uh, I gotta get to that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so it's really good still, I'm assuming. But uh, anyway, I looked up her, uh, I just Googled her to see, is that her? Because, like, she's only in this opening scene. And then I saw it said, like, she's dating Brad Pitt right now. Oh my god. I was like, what? What, what a come up for a girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what, what the hell? All right, so that's interesting if that's true. But anyway, she's, like, walking a dog. She comes across two, like, skeletons lying down next to each other. And then at the end of the film, the two main characters, when they're running away, they lie down next to each other, and that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah. Now, are they saying they literally died in that spot and that's those skeletons are them? Or is it, like, more symbolic, like I was saying? Because I don't understand how they would die like that. It doesn't make sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I literally just watched this. I may be able to help. So she finds the skeletons and they're laying in the exact position with one of their heads kind of like on, resting on the other. When they get caught and they start running away, you see the kid's face looking through the window. And notably, in an earlier scene, like the second time they came to sell the cakes, they ran out right as the kid got to the front of the line. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah. then you see a couple shots as they're running through the woods uh, toward the very end where the kid is clearly like tracking them with a rifle. So he's clearly holding that grudge or whatever. So you're saying the kid killed them? Yes, okay. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like they're definitely building up. They're definitely building up to like, you know that they are going to be killed by that kid while they're resting there. By the rules of the world that we that we live in and the world that they live in in the movie, Movie. like they have to be killed for this right they were never going to get away with it i agree but that was my confusion because i mean the the cook had like a head injury so i could see him just maybe succumbing to that the chinese guy wasn't hurt at all it didn't seem like well because he has all these opportunities you see him looking at the bag you, you see him 
almost not going back for him a couple times, but he's like, he, he is choosing this friendship. It, it, it takes this like weird, slow movie about the classic American grift and the, the fundamental fissure at the like base of our society, which is like class inequality. And then it turns it into this like really sweet buddy comedy at the toward the very end. I, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I don't know. Comedy, but well, buddy, yeah, not comedy. buddy <laughs> thing, definitely. Mike, I guess if you're saying the kid just shot them and killed them there, then that makes sense. I was just thinking because they wouldn't, like, that's not, the kid wasn't supposed to kill them there. They definitely would have been. Like, the, the rich guy would have wanted them to be brought back and, like, confronted, you know. I do believe that's the implication, though, like, set up by that earlier scene. Okay, I guess that would, yeah. Because I was thinking, like, okay, maybe the one guy died, but the other guy would have been captured and taken back, or it wouldn't just been them dead there next to each other, but... Okay, I guess it works either way somewhat, but... Or it's not really that important, but... Yeah, I mean, I liked it overall. Like you said, it just now, it is slow, but... Um, so it's not... I don't think this is for everyone, but... It's beautiful to look at, for sure. Um, it's Yeah, it's really well shot, and they get some great locations. It's, like, it, it's a really pretty movie. It takes its time with stuff. Yeah, especially, like, the first half definitely takes its time, but... Yeah, but once it gets rolling with the, the cow scheme, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. So yeah, I don't know what I have too much more to say, but I mean the the performances are very good. I I recognize the main guy from. Also, I had to look up where I where I saw him from, but then I then it clicked for me as well. He I don't know if you watch Orange Is the New Black, but I watched like the first season. Yeah, I haven't watched it all the way through. I've I've seen maybe the first four seasons or so, and I got kind of sick of it. But um, the, it doesn't matter. But it, for people who watch that show, he's like the he's the boyfriend uh, of the of the crazy uh character delusional character who it, that's in prison obviously uh oh the one with the really strong like uh staten island accent she does like the the grease the like she sounds like she's out of grease yeah, yeah. i think the actress is uh, australian but uh yeah that's that and i think he like marries her then even though you know kind of knows it's like one of those type of things yeah but anyway, yeah, he's yeah, he's good. I recognize him from something else. I didn't recognize him from that, but I don't know what it was. Whatever. I assume he's a New York-based actor because, like, most of the Orange is the New Black people are, except for maybe the really big... I mean, certainly all the more supporting roles like him are, I believe. So, yeah, he's probably been in Law & Order and shit like that. Whatever New York actors do. But, yeah. So, yeah, that was First Cow. You could check that out now. Now, uh, Palm Springs, then, that was the one we were saying, uh, or I was saying, you know, it's zeitgeist based somewhat because like it's the repeating everyday thing now i want to say about this well because first of all i'll say i i really liked it a lot i thought it was very funny i pretty much enjoyed it straight across the board but why does this concept work every time pretty much i feel like well i I don't know. I do know that they were, like, really specifically very careful. Just like, yeah, this is Groundhog Day. Everyone's going to know this is Groundhog Day. Um, we have to be very careful to be like, not Groundhog Day and also respectful to Groundhog Day. Yeah. But you know what it was? It was more like, obviously, Groundhog Day is a comedy. This is comedy, so it's akin to that. But of, like, how the thing works, it was actually more, I think, like, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, a movie that I love. Because there's two of them in that as well. Like, you could get trapped in a lake happening. Yeah. So that was much. But also, you know, speaking of Orange is New Black, you know, the Natasha Leone show, uh, Russian Doll, that we've talked about, I think, before. Also very good. That's also, this. that's a TV show, you know, a one-season show. Yeah, man. This concept. This does just always work. Yeah, I like all of these things, basically. Let's say, philosophically, that it's some blah, blah, blah 
deep psychological need, blah, 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 for everybody to like fix the things that we constantly remember that we have done wrong. Blah, 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 we're done. Yeah, I mean, like, whom among us hasn't fantasized about, like, going back to a specific day and just like, I would have had that conversation differently. It's true, and then it, it's always the thing where you're like, for a while, you'd be like, I would what like that, but then it turns into, you know, the nightmare when you have to repeat it over and over, you can't get out of it. That's always what happens in these things, you're trapped. And then also because it is like, yeah, you have the thing, like, I wish I could go back, but in these movies and shows or whatever, they never get to pick when, you know, it's not like, Oh, I fucked something up last Friday. I'll go back and, you know, relive that day and do it better. Right. It's just like one day you wake up and you're in that day. And like for this character, Andy Samberg in this film, he's just on a, a fairly random day. Like he's at a wedding, you know, going to a wedding that day for his girlfriends uh, is in the wedding. They're not having a great relationship, whatever. Uh, it's just it's not like anything <laughs> crazy. You know, it's not like anything too meaningful. But then, yeah, like going to the edge of tomorrow thing where multiple people can get trapped in the same loop he gets the Kristen miliati character stuck in it as well who's great in this like really good she's great in everything too i like her and everything i've seen her in too i haven't seen her in a ton a ton of stuff but a few things and i've mostly seen her in sitcoms yeah she's in a um, episode of black mirror that was probably one of the better ones with jesse plemons oh yeah, yeah, yeah that one's really good and yeah, I guess it's mainly where I know it from, but I think I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen her in a couple of sitcoms. And yeah, their chemistry in this was, was very good, I thought. And then yeah, also the J.K. Simmons character is trapped in it, we find out as well pretty early on. I love everything about him. I, first of all, I love everything about uh, J.K. Simmons, one of our finest character actors, but I also love everything about his character in this film. Yeah. I heard someone talking about him on a podcast recently where they were saying, like, I guess this is just like a Hollywood rumor type of thing. But they said he's, like, I guess obsessed with, like, getting as much money as he can out of every... Because oh, he already does, yeah, like, a ton of stuff. Absolutely. Like, he's the voice of the... Yeah, he's the voice of, like, the yellow M&M in those commercials. Mm. He does, like, the other commercials. Like, he doesn't need to be doing all this. He's already rich as hell, probably. But there's, like, some rumor, or I unsubstantiated, maybe, I don't know, but, like, that he'll, like, purposely drop lines in the films when they're shooting, so they'll pay him to go ADR them later on extra and all this stuff. Like, I just thought that was really funny. Like what? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. What a king. I, what um, a king. But anyway, yeah, this, yeah, his character is good in this too. Also, um, if you thought there wasn't a theme to this episode, the classic American grift, there you go. Also, <laughs> Alia Shawkat is the first character to appear in First Cow. And one of her co-stars on Search Party is one of the first characters to appear in this film. Oh, so, that's right. suck it, nerds. Search party, right, yeah. That's right, I mean, this is a very, and we're doing 2020, which we normally haven't done two movies from the same year even, so this is this is a tight app right now. We've got a movies are relevant, uh, E-Dash, and I'm young, uh, young, uh, what was it? True Defective. Yeah, young True Defective. How was that not, like, a parody of, like, True, like, True Detective on Funny or Die or some shit at the time? Eh, it might have been. It was, well, it was waiting on me, ten years later. <laughs> yeah, so. But uh, yeah, so the, his girlfriend is uh, is played by that the actress whose name I don't remember, but who's really good in Search Party, um, and in this too, the blonde uh, actress. Yeah, in a limited capacity. Yeah, and, and the one guy was like a Asian guy with a cowboy hat on that she's cheating on Andy Samberg with, but like that was kind of a weird character, like just a random guy. Also, an Australian accent. Yeah, he's yeah, Australian yeah. too. I guess like where did they get this guy from? But. And then I recognized that the dad from the wedding was, uh, you know, the guy with the the eyebrows. That's a character actor and a ton of stuff. Yeah. 
Sandy Cohen. Is that uh, I know he was on the OC. I assume that's what he, that's his character. Yeah. yeah, I never saw it, but um, I remember when I was in high school, that was like the show everyone was obsessed with. But I was just like, I'm not interested. Like I don't. At the time, I don't know. Something's changed over the years a little bit. Where back then, if some people were like nowadays, when enough people are like into something, I you have this too. I get curious about it more now, and I'm like more into checking it out. But like back then, I wasn't. I was like OC, like some. T- I never liked Dawson's Creek or any shows like that, and I thought that was similar to that. So I was like, I'm not watching this. I don't care if everyone's talking about. it. I have this like fucking brainworm for like my whole life. If like, if enough people who I think are dumber than me like a thing, I'm just like, oh fuck that, that's not for me. And it was like, I go back years later. I was like, oh yeah, the OC is pretty good. So you watched it years later then? You not at the time? Yeah, like in like in college, but not in high school. Okay, so maybe a couple of years after it was on there like i didn't watch fight club for like until i was 22 which like because like dumb people just like really love fight club but like smart people like fight club too and it's pretty fucking it's a good movie yeah although now i think i haven't seen it in a long time but now i think it's at the point where it's gone it's starting to turn another way with that one where now people are like it's actually not that great or it doesn't hold up that well or like stuff like that i think it's now going back around in the cycle like that. interesting interesting yeah maybe yeah, but for me, it wasn't because of, like, I, people I thought were dumb or whatever. It was just, like, I would... If it's... My point more is, like, if something didn't seem interesting to me I, at the time, I was like, I'm not gonna... I don't care then. But now it's, like, even if something doesn't seem... Like, even, like, First Cow or something, I guess. Like, if if you told me in high school, like, what the plot of the film was and, like, the tone whatever, I would probably not care. Like, now watch it. Even if not a lot of people were, like, it's critically great or whatever. But, yeah, but now it's, like... I guess it's just being an adult, partially, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I described, like, a psychological problem to you, and you described just your taste changing. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I won't even say that it's my taste changing, because it, it is to some degree, but but also it's just, like, my willingness to get on board with something more, I guess. But also I'm getting in this mindset now, which is maybe not good either, where it's, like, I'm, like, more of a the collector brain now like watching all these films like i gotta see this like a list of all these movies i gotta watch if enough people have said this is worth watching i gotta get like i've gotta be part of that so i have that too with ghost videos (laughs) well yeah but is there like a so at least for me with my thing like i could go on like you know um letterbox or some site where there all these things are collated you know pretty clearly Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. look up the list of Edgar Wright's top thousand movies or whatever, you know, that's one thing I go to. But like, uh, for ghost videos, how does that work? Is there like something, you know, some ghost IMDb? Uh, it's honestly the YouTube algorithm. I just, I want to feel something, man. And sometimes some things can make me feel on edge. I'm not saying why you like them. I'm saying where, if you have this completionist attitude toward it, what, how are you getting, figuring out where they all are or like who's putting them? Mm-hmm. I will let the algorithm service me channels and then I'll I'll listen I'll like watch a couple videos on those channels and then if I hate the voice of the absolute utter piece of shit and nerd that runs the channel I'll just move on. <laughs> okay. But if it's just like some dad in Georgia um who's just got like a a a a, a pleasant like normal like country accent like I think there's yeah. a ghost over here in my bag in my backyard. I also love, and I don't mean to derail this any further than we already have, I also love this thing they do on those channels 
Yeah, we're pretty far stream from from Palm Springs. <laughs> One guy will be like, "What do you think? Is this a hoax? Hoax? It could be a hoax. If it's a ghost, that's pretty fucking scary." And then the next channel will show the same video, and it'll be like, "This seems pretty obvious to me that this is a demonic possession." The internet is a strange and lovely place. So back to search party, <laughs> Palm Springs. We should go back to Palm Springs. But that, that had me thinking real quick, though. You know how I like to, and it'll get me to throw in a plug for my YouTube channel, Drew's Views, where I react to TV shows and anime and stuff. It's Drew's Views with a Z. Is there, like, a concept of reacting to these ghost videos? Is that something you could get into to, to turn to get more content created, I guess? <laughs> I'm always thinking this way now. Do you want me to feed you ghost videos that you can react to? I can do that. Well, no, I mean, I was thinking more of, like, you doing it, the reactions, but... Um, I All guess right. we could tag team it. That might be. I don't know how much charisma I I have, but uh, yeah, yeah, so we we could we could pilot it. Maybe you could pick like some of the best ones, and we could both do it. You know, it could be like a uh, a co reaction, and see and it'll see if you can turn me around on it. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. Let's talk Palm Springs again. Yeah, so th this seems like this was a pretty big hit. It's on Hulu, so there's no, like, numbers for it or whatever, but... It is, and, like, blame the pandemic, probably, but uh, it is, like, the most watched, like, single thing that Hulu's ever had, they said. And it's a Lonely Island production, I believe. Um, you know, most Andy Samberg starring star films are... They're, I mean, they make good movies. Like, they make good comedies, basically. Like, I, mean, I, I loved Hot Rod, if I'm gonna be... If I'm gonna level with you. Like, they don't miss... Yeah, my younger brother told me that Hot Rod's his favorite movie apparently which i found out recently <laughs> i've met your brother that is strange is to me, me uh, but it's good <laughs> it's it, it it is a really good like dumb dumb mid-outs comedy they made that one that like nobody talked about at all pop star colon never stop never stop that's why i liked that it was really funny it was yeah. extremely funny i like these guys just like finger on the pulse which is weird to me because snl is not a funny show it's not but when they were on it with they actually had some good videos on it too and because also you know why yeah a big problem with snl is, is like doing this live sketch just is not a great forum for this but like the lonely island of course would do the pre-taped bits and uh pre-taped songs and all that so they were better a lot of times yeah yeah anyway yeah the cast in this is like we had gotten to talking about a little bit is great and it's it's a romantic comedy essentially it's also like super romantic like how did you feel about their chemistry because i thought like the the stars it was great yeah i think i said it, before. it worked really well like i really wanted them to be together i am a sucker but i can tell when there is no chemistry on screen you know the chemistry is there for sure for sure and if we just dive into the what the characters are a little bit the miliati character is kind of like a cynical like depressed i guess you know doesn't like doesn't like her station in life you know currently and then the that's contrasting with the Sandberg character. He's a, a slacker type of guy, essentially. It's kind of hard to tell because, like, when we meet him, he's already been into this for an indeterminate amount of time. It could literally be a couple years' worth of days, like, in a row like this, so... It could be hundreds of years. Yeah. He doesn't remember his job, but she has yeah. his job as he can't even remember what it was, like... Um, but then at the end, he remembers that he has a dog. Yeah, yeah, it is just like... Or implied that he remembered that the whole time, but just never told uh, yeah. <laughs> It is just like a classic romantic comedy thing, which is like, oh, these two people are complete misfits. And when we plug these puzzle pieces together, they are a whole person. It was really sweet in that way, even though, like, problematic, whatever, whatever. Is it problematic? I don't know. I mean, there's an element of, and causes some friction, because, like, he's been having sex with a bunch of people, obviously. Also her. <laughs> well, that's the well, that's where this comes in. So, like, he's been having... So, she... He initially tells her we haven't ever hooked up, 
in one of these repeating days, which is a lie. And then he reveals that to you later. I'm just trying to think if it's, um, obviously it's there for the dramatic tension. Is that like, I mean, it's hard to say if something's problematic when it's like this crazy scenario, you know, of like, like, are we blaming him for having sex with all these people? Considering there is no, he didn't know he was going to get her pulled into it eventually. There's basically no consequences to any of his actions. And then at this point, any of their actions. I don't want to drag us into a rabbit hole of like doing Reddit philosophy on the like moral implications of person to person interactions in a time loop. One can assume that every encounter that the Andy Samberg had was it consensual and just move on. Wasn't consensual, you said? I said was, and then I choked a little bit um, on uh, some seltzer. Okay, the classic, I choked on seltzer excuse. Got it. When you want to change your opinion. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then the whole thing with her, I'm more spoiling, I guess. I, I think most people listening probably would have seen this, but just go watch it now. But uh, her thing is then, like, she has been... Uh, or she had just cheated on... Or, well... He had cheated, I guess. That she had just slept with her sister's. Yeah, her sister. She had slept with to be. Yeah, her sister's fiance the night before their wedding. Pretty. Uh, it's sus. It's suspect. Yeah, it's a. I mean, you couldn't get much lower than that in terms of like a bad thing to do to your family member. And they're like saying all these good things about the sister. Like she donates bone marrow. She seems to be like a a saint type of person. So, but anyway, that's her like whole internal struggle i really liked how that was revealed you know yeah yeah they do they do a really good job with like that aspect of the mystery and then just and also holding jk simmons out until he's like no longer a threat yeah and so it's eventually his character comes to terms with everything you see as a family with the young kids and stuff for something like so like both thematically and logistically stuck in one place this movie does such a good part uh, job of spinning the moving parts around, like, us, the viewer. It's too sophisticated to be just, like, a dumb comedy that dropped on Hulu. I was very impressed. I guess Hulu really wanted it, and, like, I probably paid a lot for it because apparently I heard it, it was the highest, gro- uh, not grossing, but it was at Sundance, I think, is the the film festival or one of the major ones, and it was, like, the highest. It was Sundance or Telluride, yeah. yeah. Wh- whichever one it was, yeah. it was the high. It got sold for the most ever at that festival in the history. So yeah, I mean, it's really fucking good. Yeah, and it, it's yeah, it's like nothing crazy. Like we're saying, it's nothing so intricate, but it's just done really well. A lot of the different bits they do in the repeating day are really good. I thought, like, well, the dance sequence they do at that bar is very funny. I think. Yeah. The choreographed dance, and then the, the one they do where they're like doing a bomb at the wedding with the cake and then she comes in with like the mustache you know like that whole thing was hilarious and the uh, horrible accent yeah it's it's so yeah. cute yeah basically yeah. it's cute but it, it also has good you know it it's, can be biting too not like crazy biting but like it has like teeth to it you know yeah and some good idea for like what we were saying before like how does this keep working i guess it, is this like a well, well, to finish that point, how does this keep working? I guess if you just have some new wrinkles to it, it's good. But it, are we going to start considering that? He even says at the beginning, like referencing these other movies, like it's one of these time loop situations you might have heard about or, you know, something to that effect. That's like a line in the movie. It's like a throwaway. It's like, yeah, you know what's happening here. Can we even say this is like a genre now? Almost <laughs> so like time loop movies or t- repeating day movies? 
There are a lot of them. Another one is that I didn't mention before is this is probably the, one of the lesser ones given the whole span of the ones we talked about, but I still like like this too overall. I saw it, you know, toward the beginning of this year, I believe, uh, which was Happy Death Day. Um, and there was a sequel to that. Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. Yeah, I watched them both. The first one is like, it's essentially a parody of like a slasher film. And then, but with the repeating day aspect. The second one to you is more of a, it switches to being more like a sci-fi parody. But yeah, they're both like the repeating day thing. And that, it works there too, basically. I mean, it's still good there. Have also, you seen those, by the, the way? Also, uh, the classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, Life Serial, uh, where she is trapped in the same day over and over, just getting that out there. I've seen Happy Death Day. I've not seen Happy Death Day, colon, to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, um, I probably liked the first one better, because I horror parody stuff worked a little better for the scenario, but the second one was pretty good, too. I mean, I will just watch a Blumhouse movie. I actively seek out terrible and terribly shot and terribly narrated ghost videos like i'm trying to get spooked well there's plenty of that for you because actually blumhouse speaking of hulu i don't know if you're aware of this they've been releasing a new direct to hulu horror film every month i saw the i saw the one about the like mascot costume and then didn't see the others now apparently most of these are like very very bad, like super low production value and like very bad but that is why i've not seen <laughs> them um in a lot of cases like i read a review and i was like oh, i'm okay yeah but it's there for you i'm just gonna watch a jordanian man kicking doors and scream at a ghost did you say jordanian yeah that's uh what's that accent um better or worse than I the think... southern uh, usa uh, <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> Well, it's like we talked about with uh, Ikiru last time, uh, where, like, they're speaking a language I don't speak, so it sounds perfectly, like, brilliant to me. It could be a bumpkin accent. The anime, uh, yeah. The subs, uh, V-dubs, conundrum. Or uh, whatever. I guess not conundrum, but... But, okay, so, the... Yeah, to wrap it up here, we'll wrap up soon, but I did have a couple other quick hitters, I guess. So one of the other 2020 films I watched fairly recently would be a pretty good companion piece to Ikaru, which you just mentioned, which you can go back and listen to our last episode, I think, was that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The only good film from 1957. It's from 1952, but I know you, you're a 57 hater, so you're okay. <laughs> No, but, oh, I gotta check my thing and see, did I, did I add a new 1957? I gotta look that up as well. I think I might have. Uh, there's another good one in there, but, uh, but yeah, a 2020 companion piece to Ikaru is this Australian film I watched called Baby Teeth. I'm presuming you probably haven't heard of it, but uh, let me know if you have, Yadesh Nam. No. All right, so this one, so it's a cancer film. Did you say it's the cancer film? It's a cancer film, yeah. A cancer film. Oh, hard pass. Not the uh, symbol or whatever it's called. The uh, Zodiac sign. It's uh, about a high school girl in Australia who has a terminal, you know, terminal cancer. Oh, and the, the one boy uh, who loves her most in all the world? Well, I mean, it, it is, uh, there is an element of that. It's definitely different than normal, I will say. So the cast in this is great. The, um, well, the girl, the sick girl is played by our friend from Little Women. Alia Shawkat, everybody. No, no, no. it's not Alia Shawkat doing a Australian impression and playing a uh, 17-year-old. That would, be, that would be almost as weird as dating Brad Pitt. I'm fucking hilarious. People don't understand that about me. Go on. No, it was a good, it was a good, uh good callback don't let me stop on it no but i was trying to say is the character is played by someone who, it, our friend from uh 
from Little Women, who is, like, really making a name for herself playing dying girls or people who get sick. Oh my god, really? Yeah, it's that one. Uh, that is... I'm blanking on her name, but, uh, the actress's name, but, uh, what's her name in Little Women, uh, uh the, the one who dies? Joe. No, not Joe, is Joe is, uh, Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, that's the only one whose name I remember. There might be a Mary. But that's... No, Meg is, uh, what's her name, Harry Potter, but, uh, oh, whatever. Meg, that's the M name. Yeah, uh, I don't remember her name. Rosie? Jessica? That's not Allison Pill, is it? That's not Allison Pill, is it? No, you keep saying actors who are like, like our age, basically. This is a, this is a. They're all playing teenagers anyway. But I mean, I think she really is a, a teenager. Yeah, we're we're old now. We're in our thirties. Mm. You're in the the club, right? Yeah, I'm basically since dead. the last episode, maybe, or it was around that time. Just before the last episode, so. Yeah. Halfway dead, baby. Halfway. D- you think you're gonna make it to sixty? No. It's not a good bet for anyone at this point. But uh, I didn't want to spend that long on this. But her parents are. I want. I do want to recommend it because I think it 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 was a kind of like Palm Springs. It's something that's very well worn territory. I mean, a, a, a movie like this is even more well worn territory than. Are you with this premise? I mean, than you know, even the repeating day one. Mm. But the wrinkle here is that so well. So her parents are played by. Two of Australia's, like, top actors. Guy Pearce? No, uh, Mendelssohn, Ben Mendelssohn. Yo, love Ben Mendelssohn, go on. Miss Fisher, I know her from that, that but uh, I know she's in The Babadook as well. Oh, yeah, the actress from The Babadook? Yes, and like I said... Oh, yeah, she's great in that. I haven't, don't think I've seen her in anything else. She's in this detective show that's super popular in Australia, or it was when it was on, called Miss Fisher. Miss Fisher's Mysteries, I think, or Murder Mysteries. It's kind of like a mom pick sort of thing, but I got into it a little bit, you know. But sure. It's like a British mystery thing, but it, of that archetype, but Australian-based, and, it, and it's a period piece from the 20s. But, um, yeah, Essie Davis is her name. So they're the parents. They're, you know, like I said, they're, they're both phenomenal actors. And then the wrinkle here is that the guy, so she does fall in love with this guy. It's He's like a drug addict kind of guy, basically. He's like a troubled guy who's like, She's 17, I think, and he's, like, 22. So, like, she meets oh, so him kind of randomly. In a way. In a way. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he is not... He's just, like, a trouble, like, is kicked out of his house permanently. And, like, he has, like, a younger brother that he's still kind of close with. But there's, like, drama with the family. And, then, yeah, he does... He's on... He has drug problems and stuff. But, like, so that's the thing. But she, like, still falls in love with him anyway. She still wants him around. And then, you know, I won't give away too much, but, like, it get, it, it's interesting because, like, the parents then have to deal with this new relationship. And it's, like, the push and pull of, like, well, this would normally be, like, mm. the worst situation. Like, our teenage daughter's like, bringing this, like, older drug addict guy around. Like, what? But then she's, like, probably could die any time or, you know, so it's, like, how much should let her do what she wants. It's, like, that push and pull type of thing. Uh, that's interesting. There's a lot of great tr- dramatic scenes, you know, especially with the parents themselves, too, and stuff, um, with those actors, so... And it's really well shot. It was really good to look at. I believe it's, it's directed by uh, someone more of our and uh, Shawcat's age, uh, so, uh, you know, a, a young mm. talent to look out for, maybe. Let me look up her name real quick so I can shout it out. But yeah, Baby Teeth, I recommend... 
It is, the director's name is Shannon Murphy. I would have to assume she is an Aussie. Yeah. Wait, well, I gotta look up my 1957 counter. Did I add a new one to that? Hmm. Well, I don't remember when I watched this. It might have been a little while ago, but I added another one, Passive Glory, as one of Stanley Kubrick's first big films. That's another 1957. It's rife mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with great picks. Have not seen that, even though Stanley Kubrick is one of the directors that I will watch an older movie by. It's a anti a anti war film starring Kirk Douglas, uh, World War One. And actually, if you want to contrast it to something like uh, 1917, which was uh, a big grosser, probably maybe the last big uh, box office film ever. Yeah, Jesus. It could be at this point. I don't know how bad Boys for Life, if that beat it out, I don't think it did um, early in the year. But uh, that was the World War One, obviously, which is much less done than World War Two. But I think this, like, Passive Glory is, you know, it's much better. Um so go back for that but yeah 2020 have you watched any other uh as we wrap it up here have you watched other any other ones that came out this year technically i haven't watched any movies that came out this year i went on a little like recent horror binge um a couple of weeks ago i watched uh little monsters which is a zombie movie starring lupita nyong'o who is one of our best actors i've never seen her be just the love interest she is phenomenal she's extremely charming that's not from this year though or when did that come out it, that's from last year. Uh, and I also saw Crawl, which is from last year. Um, but a really seen it. really decent movie, B-horror movie about, um, or B-horror movie with an A-horror budget about being trapped in a basement with uh, giant alligators. You, I don't know if that had an A budget. Are you saying A-horror? So that's still a lower budget then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it mostly takes place in one location. B-horror premise, A-horror budget. Yeah, it was good to see uh, my man Barry Pepper too. I haven't seen him in much in recent years, but he was the dad in that, right? Yeah, yeah, he's extremely stuck in a basement, which may, which may be where he's been all these years IRL. I mean, yeah, look, when, when there's a crazy hurricane blowing in, you gotta go down to the basement and start getting some some work on the house done. What are yeah, you, man. What else would you do when you're in Florida when gators can come in? Yeah, that was... It, as in all horror movies, people make very dumb decisions and uh, get themselves into some interesting situations. But, um, uh, decent movie. As a former swimmer myself, I always like, like to see a, a good lead, swimmer lead character. <laughs> Doesn't happen too often. Yeah. I, uh, oh, did we ever talk about The Vast of Night? I'm not sure if you saw that, but that was another one that came out this year. It's on Amazon Prime. The Vast of Night, I have not seen. What, talk to me about that. Low budget. It's kind of like set up like it's, they even have, open it like, like it's like an episode of twilight zone or something so it takes place in the 50s like it's setting it up like this it's just like a simple story ends up being about aliens you know but um that was really good i thought i would i would recommend that on amazon prime right now it's mostly deals with two main characters and that too that are like they're in a super small new mexico town there's like a basketball game going on that because it's such a small town like that's the big event everyone goes to the high school basketball game but do they go missing no so okay never mind well i mean not not exactly that's not what the plot of the film is so like everyone's at this game and the only two people that basically aren't there are this guy who works for at the radio station so he has his radio show at the time and then his friend this younger girl who has to work the phone switchboard because like it's the 50s and you have to have someone literally doing that you know so they're doing that and then they start getting a call they hear they hear some weird noise the phone's getting messed up a little bit 
and then they ask, like, oh, the guy asks over the radio station, like, does anyone know where this noise, has anyone heard something like this before? Uh, and then they get a couple calls in, of, like, and then the entry kind of builds from there. But there's, like, super long takes in this film that I was really impressed by. It can be a gimmick in some films to do something like that, but in this, it worked really well. Is it a horror movie? It's not horror. It's sci-fi, I guess. But like I said, it they set it up like it's like the opening thing has like a a picture of, like that would be an opening screen of like, like it's show it, it's filming like a TV showing this like an old fifties TV being like welcome to this not the Twilight Zone but like saying some name like that you know so so then it like pushes into the TV and it's like the movie is unfolding like you're back in the fifties watching this on air. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but regardless, it, it's a, a nice simple film that's. I thought it was directed very impressively, and, and the lead performances are really good in that, too. And it's another one you don't see, like, s- stuff like... It's not a typical sci-fi film that certainly, like, from this era, like, that would come out, so... When you're looking for uh, streaming picks, those are some for you there. And, uh, yeah, it, it, if we have nothing else 2020-related, uh, since this was the big 2020 episode, I think we can... Uh, we can head on now. We can start planning those ghost reaction videos. Uh, of my exactly, exactly. <laughs> like I said before, check out Drew's views right now uh, for my, uh, you know, my cartoon and anime reactions coming out uh, every week. You can uh, subscribe to this Brooklyn Rebound Network if you're not already. And uh, yeah, check out e nam at no thanks y'all on Twitter and. Uh, I think he has a hot D&D campaign that you might be able to... Is that something you, people can uh, join in uh, remotely or it's only for... Is, is Are you doing that remotely, by the way? We were talking about it off. I assume you are during this time. Yeah, but, like, just for my brother. Because, yeah, uh, you were saying before, like, with your friends or whatever, right, they were... You weren't happy with how they were doing your... Uh, is it called a campaign? <laughs> yeah, let me get some replacement players in here. You, they're not playing the game, right? So you can just do a whole replacement game with some people from... Get some people off Twitter or something. You gotta use all this game. material that I wrote somehow. Yeah, yeah. always good to call back something that did not happen on Mike. Classic uh, podcasting move. <laughs> yeah, not talk uh, about that well, on it's Mike. been a long day. Uh, Alright, well that'll do it for this edition of Movies Are Relevant. We should be back soon talking some more films everyone stay safe out there watch some films and until next time we're up out of here peace Productions.